Manson Perkins knew the rules and the tricks of interstate hauling. Shortly after noon, he crossed the New Mexico state line from Texas, taking the bumps and delays of State Highway 88 to avoid that way station at Clovis because he didn't have an overweight permit. Wheeling back toward the west onto the main highway in early afternoon, at the sun-blistered hamlet of Melrose. After a half-million miles jockeying the Peterbilt, he was tanned on his left forearm, pale under his shirt, and wiry all over. His fingers on both hands showed the marks of maintaining heavy equipment. The burn scar from his airco welder was hidden by his denim trousers. He had lost count of the times he'd explained that pool of smooth, slick, hairless skin to women. It was already one hot son of a bitch outside. Heat waves squeezing the aroma from a billion late May sage blossoms out there on the hard pan horizon. An aroma musky and mouth-wateringly pervasive that a man's nose didn't get used to. Diesel fumes weren't like that, but Perkins was smelling them now and then. Probably that goddamn fuel fitting he had replaced himself, doing his best with what he had, because when you underbid the big outfits, you had to cut your expenses somehow, and you weren't smart to do it by dropping your dues to the National Transport Coalition. Scary things happened to truckers who plied the highways without NTC protection. He wished for air conditioning because it was going to get hotter still. New Mexico blacktop soaking up the heat and feeding it back into those old retreads until, when you stopped for a walk around, you didn't touch a tread without gloves. Not unless you wanted second-degree burns. If you ever wondered what high speeds and hot blacktop did to tires on an overloaded rig, two minutes of studying any highway shoulder would give you a broad hint. Black curls of shredded rubber, flying explosively from overheated tire casings, lined highways from Maine to California, a few from automobiles, but most of them, big fat chunks from disintegrating rig tires. Perkins vowed he would keep it down to seventy or so. A tire change out there was murder. And later in August, when migrating tarantulas freckled the blacktop in countless numbers, but he didn't want to think about that. Perkins had the knack of forgetting things he didn't want to think about. It hadn't killed him yet, Caution told him to stop at Fort Sumner for a nap and to recheck the tie-downs on that bodacious load of line pipe he was hauling to a wildcatter near Albuquerque. Perkins popped a pill instead of the nap, peered into his rear views to satisfy himself about the security of his load, and told Caution to go to hell. Time was money. The wildcatter knew about time and money. That's why he had contracted with Perkins, an independent 
who owned his rig and would bust his ass for a scheduled bonus, and devil take the hindmost. The great advantage of an indie was that, by doing his own maintenance, he came in with low bids. The hidden disadvantage was that while Perkins took no nonsense from straw bosses or ordinary traffic either, what 5,000-pound Lincoln was going to argue right or wrong with a vehicle that weighed the same as 18 Lincolns?